Welcome to the Purely Nourished Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Fitt. I am a clinical nutritionist, rock climber, mountain biker, and lover of the outdoors. I work with people all over the nation via my virtual private practice and programs using a root cause, non-band-aid approach. I'm here to flip the script on conventional nutrition and health practices. After years of being stuck in a gray area of not totally unwell, but not super healthy either, I never received the support or answers I needed from conventional providers to actually get better. I'm now on a mission to use integrative and functional nutrition practices to get and keep people well for years to come. We're going to tackle that gray area of health in this podcast with a special emphasis on gut health, hormone balance, sports performance, and overall health optimization. My goal is to empower you to become a more knowledgeable consumer, eater, and better overall health advocate for yourself. Now sit back, relax, and let's dive right in. Hey, outdoor athletes and enthusiasts, are you ready to conquer fatigue and supercharge your sports performance? Look no further. Introducing Beat the Bonk, the six-week self-paced online course crafted just for you by me, a clinical nutritionist who has helped hundreds of active people improve their energy levels, overcome hormonal imbalances, and improve their performance. Over the six weeks, you will dive into the science behind blood sugar regulation. By understanding the physiological mechanisms at play, you'll gain the power to break free from fad diets and generic nutrition advice. This course equips you with the knowledge about how your own body responds to different foods, enabling you to make informed choices tailored towards your unique physiology. You'll also learn evidence-based nutrition strategies like meal composition and meal timing for optimal blood sugar regulation. For active individuals, eating to support this optimal blood sugar response is the key to unlocking peak performance. Beat the Bonk teaches you exactly how to eat in a way that sustains consistent energy levels throughout your outdoor adventures. Additionally, by mastering blood sugar control, you can overcome hormonal imbalances, which might be hindering your progress, as well as improve both your mood and vitality, leading to more rewarding experiences outdoors. And the best part, Beat the Bonk doesn't just promise short-term gains. Learning how to balance your blood sugar is sustainable for life, as the methods can be adapted as your needs change over time. What sets Beat the Bonk apart is the option to add on two continuous glucose monitors. These devices offer real-time insights into how different foods, stress, exercise, and even sleep impacts your blood sugar levels. By observing these responses firsthand, you can fine-tune your diet and lifestyle choices for optimal results. This personalized, data-driven approach transforms the way you think about food and really empowers you to make decisions that are best for your body and your body alone. Join Beat the Bonk to say goodbye to restrictive diets, and hello to more energy, balanced hormones, and crushing your performance goals. You don't want to miss out on the very first round of this program. It's being offered at an extremely discounted rate and includes bonus group Q&A calls to receive live personalized support and feedback. We start September 11th. Click the link in the show notes for more information and to join. Can't wait to see you there. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Today's episode, we are going to dive into the topic of stress. And I might take a little different perspective on stress than maybe you do or than maybe you're used to. And really why I wanted to talk about this is because sometimes I have clients who for the most part, are eating well, you know, they're doing all the right things, quote unquote, you know, maybe we've even already done a bunch of work on their gut, their digestion, maybe their hormones, but their symptoms still aren't budging. And more often than not, what we're experiencing in these cases is that there's an underlying stress component that needs to be addressed. And when I talk about the concept of stress, with clients, I normally receive one or two responses. There's like camp A and camp B. Camp A is they know that they're stressed. They're like, they totally recognize it. And they're like, yeah, I'm a stressed case. And they oftentimes say or mention, you know, there's nothing I can really do about that. I can't change my job. I can't change my lifestyle, you know, whatever it is, but they're aware of it. And then the second camp, this person is more in denial. (laughs) They don't really realize how much stress they are actually under because they've kind of always lived their life this way. Stress is kind of a constant and this is just their normal. And so before we actually dive into this conversation, I just want to chat about different types of stressors and really define what I consider to be a stress in the body. So first we have our mental or emotional stress, right? We can call this like a psychological stressor. This would be things like worrying, right? Maybe you're worrying about family, you know, relationships, finance, school, future, a deadline, you know, that could all fall into this like mental, emotional stress. A lack of boundaries could also kind of fall into this category. Worrying about the food you are eating, still a stressor, rushing from appointment to appointment, not leaving yourself enough downtime, not providing yourself enough self-care. I would put all of those things under the kind of like psychological stressor category, even though some might be kind of physical too, which we'll kind of go into the next category. There's definitely some overlap here. So the second category of stressors are physical stressors. And these are maybe the ones that you don't think of as being a stress in the body or being stressful. And so these physical stressors include things like nutrient insufficiencies or deficiencies, blood sugar dysregulation, any type of inflammation, gut infections. So maybe this looks like dysbiosis. Maybe you have an overgrowth of bacteria or fungi or virus, something of the sort. Undereating overeating, over or under exercising, poor sleep, thyroid dysfunction, hormonal imbalances, those all are physical stressors. And the big, big takeaway here is your body and your stress response cannot distinguish between any of these stressors. So you will have the same physiological stress response as if you were running from a bear or if you just got in a fight with your partner, or if maybe you're super deficient in vitamin D or iron, for example, your body stress response would be pretty much the same no matter those circumstances. 
There is one particular stress hormone that I want to chat with you about today, and that is our good friend cortisol. And if you haven't heard about cortisol before, it has a number of different roles, and we're going to kind of go into that here in a moment. But first, I just want to define what cortisol actually is. So cortisol is a steroid hormone, and it's derived from cholesterol actually, um, which is a fat. And it has many jobs, and some of these jobs include raising your blood sugar, it enhances the brain's use of glucose, which is helpful in stressful situations. We can kind of start to see the stress connection here. It helps wake you up in the morning. It actually opposes melatonin. It slows functions that would be non-essential or harmful in a fight or fight, flight or flight, <laughs> fight or flight situation. Um, cortisol is also anti-inflammatory. It helps suppress and combat inflammation. And it also plays a role in regulating your blood pressure. So this one little hormone has a lot of different functions in the body and, and it can do a lot of different things, just kind of depending on the circumstance. So cortisol is produced from your adrenal glands. And whenever I talk about the adrenal glands, oftentimes I'm referring to this HPA axis, which is really the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And this HPA axis is a crucial system that regulates your body's stress response. So in times of stress, and again, remember, all these different types of stress trigger the same response. The hypothalamus releases something called CRH, which basically stimulates the pituitary gland to release another hormone called ACTH, which in turn then triggers the adrenal glands to produce cortisol. So that is kind of the stress response in a nutshell there. Something else that I want to mention as well is Cortisol follows a diurnal pattern, just the, this kind of natural rhythm throughout the day. So in the morning, cortisol is released as soon as you wake up. That's actually what, one of the things that helps you wake up. And about 20 to 30 minutes after you wake up is when we see cortisol peak. And actually that time from the immediate moment that you wake up until 20 or 30 minutes afterwards, we call that the cortisol awakening response. And that can actually give us some really interesting information in terms of, um, gosh, so many things in regards to cortisol. We'll talk about testing a little bit later. So it peaks about 30 minutes after you wake and then slowly throughout the course of the day, it actually starts to go down and it should be the lowest before bed. And if you think about one of its jobs, again, cortisol helps us wake up in the mornings. So it's important for it to be high and elevated in the morning. And then same thing at night, we don't want to have elevated cortisol because we were wanting to be starting to wind down and wanting to get ready for bed. One thing to note too is cortisol is also triggered by sunlight in the morning. So one of the suggestions that I always like to give is to expose your eyeballs to sunlight as soon as possible when you wake up. And I know this gets a little bit tricky when we move into the darker winter months and there's some tips and tricks we can use around there. But the sooner you can get your eyeballs exposed to light, that is just going to help your body's natural release of cortisol in the morning to help wake you up and also have then a really positive effect on the whole course of cortisol throughout the day as well. So one really big topic in the context of cortisol that I want to chat with you guys about today is cortisol and blood sugar regulation. So as I mentioned earlier, cortisol actually raises blood sugar. 
And this is just one of its jobs. And this is great when we need glucose. So for example, when we exercise, cortisol is one of the hormones that gets released that helps raise our blood sugar. Again, we use glucose for fuel to really produce ATP to power all of the movements that we want to do. So this is a really good thing, right? We want to be able to utilize our fuel in a really good way. Um, and cortisol also gets released too when our blood sugar is low. So if our body is sensing, uh-oh, our blood sugar is dipping below its kind of happy Goldilocks range, cortisol is actually one of the hormones that gets released to help bring it back up to baseline. So you don't die, essentially. It's really important. And this happens through a variety of signaling mechanisms and different kind of influences in the body. Um, but one of the ways that cortisol helps raise your blood sugar during times of low blood sugar is it stimulates something called gluconeogenesis, which is just essentially the generation of glucose molecules from non-carbohydrate molecules, so amino acids, for example. Cortisol also stimulates something called glycogenolysis, which is essentially the breakdown of glycogen to glucose. So remember, glycogen is the storage form of glucose. And so again, this is one of the mechanisms that cortisol helps bring your blood sugar back up, provides your blood sugar with the glucose it needs to be stable in times of low blood sugar. So let's circle back to stress again, and specifically this fight or flight response and its impact on blood sugar. So during times of stress, we release cortisol to increase blood sugar again. So we have the fuel available to either fight, flight, or flee. And remember, you know, all of these different types of stressors mentioned at the beginning of the, this episode, our body can't distinguish between these types of stressors. And so again, the physiological response is the same. So this is where we get into a little bit of sticky situation. If you are constantly under a stressor, maybe you're under eating, maybe you're going too long in between meals, maybe you're fasting for a little way too long, maybe you're not fueling with the appropriate fuel before, during, and after your workouts, all of these would be considered a stress by the body. Cortisol is going to be released and your blood sugar is going to become elevated. And you may or may not know, maybe you do, is that chronically elevated blood sugar can cause issues over time. It can cause inflammation. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And so ideally, we don't want to be running off of cortisol, running off of stress, and having that impact our blood sugar in a really negative way. And so I've actually created a super fun quiz. If you're curious about if this is you, if you are someone who maybe runs off cortisol, or if you maybe have a different type of blood sugar profile, quote unquote, I actually created a really fun quiz to see what blood sugar type you are. And then I also give some helpful hints on what to do about it for each type. So I will actually include that in the show notes. So make sure you go check that quiz out. It should take you about like, 60 seconds to two minutes max to complete it, and it can give you some really good insight into this topic specifically. 
Okay, so now let's chat about cortisol, stress, and inflammation, this kind of vicious cycle. So one thing that I want to define is acute stress versus chronic stress. So acute stress is something that happens like in the moment, like you get startled or you maybe have a God forbid, a death in the family. You know, that's like a, a moment in time versus chronic stress is when we have more of an accumulation of these stressors day in and day out. And as you can see with some of these things like nutrient insufficiencies, under eating, going too long in between meals, not having boundaries, like those can easily add up to become more of this chronic stress situation. Now, the thing about cortisol is that it is inherently anti-inflammatory, which is good. We want cortisol in its appropriate amounts to help combat inflammation. However, this only really happens when cortisol is in its appropriate amount. If we have too much of it or if we have too little of it, this is where we get into problems and we cross over into inflammation and inflammatory territory. It's quite the word, inflammatory territory. <laughs> and as we know, chronic inflammation is the root of so many chronic diseases that we have nowadays. And so it is something that we want to avoid and it's something that we absolutely want to combat when we can. Circling back to our HPA axis that we mentioned earlier, something that I want to describe to you is are these different phases of what we like to call HPA axis dysfunction, or maybe more colloquially, we could call it like burnout, quote unquote. So often what we see is when we're experiencing chronic stress, chronic inflammation, chronic cortisol, high cortisol levels, what we're going to see at first is exactly that. We're going to see elevated cortisol. It's going to be higher than what we want. And with that comes consequences. So we are going to see things like elevated blood sugar. Um, I mean, there's so many downstream effects. We're going to talk about hormones here in a second, what happens when we have high cortisol and how our sex hormones are impacted. So that's kind of phase one. Now, eventually, when you're riding that cortisol high for so long, what's going to happen eventually is we're going to have this crash. We are going to now, instead of seeing high cortisol levels, we're going to see depressed, low cortisol levels as well. What we used to think this was, was like a, a burnout situation, like an adrenal fatigue, they called it. But that's really not quite accurate. It's more of this HPA axis dysfunction. This negative cortisol feedback loop ends up getting interrupted. And so we end up not producing enough cortisol. And this also is really bad in terms of how people feel. People feel freaking exhausted. They can't get out of bed. They're tired. They're over it. This leads to more inflammation because remember, cortisol is inherently anti-inflammatory. And so if we don't have enough of it, that's going to allow inflammation to run rampant in the body. People also have an increased risk for developing autoimmune conditions in this kind of uh, burnout stage. So it's not, not great. <laughs> so moral of the story is we really want to be able to moderate our cortisol levels in a really healthy way so we don't get ourselves into this HPA axis dysfunction, low cortisol, sticky burnout phase eventually. Okay, let's now chat about a huge 
impact that cortisol has on women's health, especially hormone balance. And so as you can probably tell by now, there are a number of different both direct and indirect connections on cortisol and especially sex hormones. So if you can recall back to our conversation on cortisol and blood sugar, cortisol raises our blood sugar. That has a direct connection with insulin levels. If any of you are familiar or maybe you have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, that has a huge, huge impact on androgen production. So we know there's um, a, a correlation between high levels of insulin and high levels of androgens, which causes some of the symptoms and issues that we see in PCOS, things like weight gain, um, weight loss resistance, acne, other symptoms of this hyperandrogenism, essentially, um, and ovulation, so not ovulating, infertility, all the things. So that's kind of an indirect connection. But let's just take a step back for a moment. So I think this is a really good example of how stress impacts our menstrual cycles. So if you are a cycling person, I'm curious, have you ever missed a period or maybe had an irregular period? Like maybe your cycle was either longer or shorter. Maybe it was heavier or lighter due to a time of stress. Maybe this was during a move. Maybe you started a new job. Maybe you had a huge life transition. You know, maybe you were getting married or maybe you had a breakup or whatever it is. If you had, this is a perfect real life example of how stress and cortisol can impact your menstrual cycle. And we can actually see changes happen. So let's chat about how this even happens. So chronic stress and elevated cortisol levels can indirectly impact progesterone production. So let's just kind of think about this. So high cortisol levels may interfere with the function of the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. Remember, this is a part of the HPA axis, leading to disruptions in the normal hormonal cascade that that triggers ovulation and progesterone release. So remember, progesterone is released by the corpus luteum after ovulation. So that's why we see higher progesterone in the luteal phase, the time before your period. So if ovulation is disrupted or if it doesn't happen, we are going to then see progesterone take a hit, have an impact there. And so that disruption can lead to luteal phase defects. So maybe you're not producing enough progesterone. Maybe you're having a short luteal phase. All these can affect fertility and menstrual regularity, just to name a couple things. Now on the estrogen side of things, this is where it kind of gets a little interesting and the research is kind of mixed out there. There's just not a lot of it yet. So there are some studies that suggest that the presence of estradiol, estrogen, um, actually leads to an enhanced responsiveness of the HPA axis to a stressor. So for example, in times of high estrogen, it suggested that we might release more cortisol to a stressor as compared to a time in our cycle of lower estrogen. Now these have mainly been done in animal studies, rat studies, so there's not a lot of human examples of this. However, I did, I was able to find a few human studies um, investigating the impact of estrogen replacement therapy, so HRT, hormone replacement therapy, 
and cortisol. And they did find a correlation between estrogen um, when taken exogenously and higher levels of cortisol. So there might be some truth behind this. So nonetheless, I just share that to say that there is a correlation between cortisol and our sex hormones, whether that be in the cortisol affecting our sex hormones directions or vice versa, our sex hormones affecting our cortisol. So what to do with all of this information? So let's just summarize briefly. So we know that cortisol is a steroid hormone produced by our adrenal glands in times of stress. As we define, there are many different types of stressors and our body cannot distinguish between any of them. The same stress response happens no matter the stressor, the stressor input essentially. So what we ultimately want to do are a few things. We can kind of take a multi-pronged approach. The very first thing that I always recommend doing is getting tested. It's great to know what your cortisol is actually doing before you start to dive into any type of intervention. And so my favorite test for cortisol is the Dutch test. Um, this is dried urine testing for comprehensive hormones. And so I actually like a combination of just the standard Dutch test via urine, but for some who were really investing investigating cortisol on a bit deeper of a level, I also like to add on the saliva portion so we can get a little bit more insight into the cortisol awakening response. And it tends to be a little bit more accurate when we can see the salivary levels of cortisol as well as the metabolite. So how cortisol is being metabolized and broken down. And we see that from the urine portion. So anyways, that's my first tidbit. Get tested, know where your levels are at. Are you high? Are you low? How is your actual diurnal response throughout the day? Are you high when you're supposed to be high? Are you coming down at night before bed? Very, very important. That way we can really target your interventions specifically to what you need. Some two other kind of general things that you can do, no matter what, even if you decide not to get tested, the first would be manage psychological stressors. So this would be things like therapy, engaging in mindfulness activities, breathing exer exercises, you know, breath work, leaving more room in your schedule. I am guilty of this. I'm trying to build in more charting spacers throughout my day or just give myself a little bit more wiggle room. That can make a huge difference. Taking times off, meditation, all of those things would kind of fall under the psychological stressors, which a lot of you are probably already familiar with in terms of, quote unquote, trying to manage your stress basically. Now in the other category, we also want to manage your physical stressors. And so the number one thing that I recommend for this is to learn how to balance your blood sugar. Again, we know the connection between cortisol and blood sugar. So if you are able to eat in a way, both by meal composition, meal timing, um, all these kind of hacks and, and strategic things, the type of carbohydrate you're having, the amount, all of these play a huge role into blood sugar regulation. And so that is my number, number one tip there. Another one would be to ID any source of inflammation that's happening in the body. Because if we can kind of get to the root of what's driving inflammation and we can tackle that, that can also have an impact on cortisol. Regulate your circadian rhythm. So I kind of alluded to this 
earlier in the episode when we chatted about light exposure, but one thing that you can do to help regulate your cortisol levels throughout the day is, again, expose your eyeballs to light first thing in the morning, immediately upon awakening. Um, You can also get, for in the darker months, a full spectrum like table light. They sell them online. Um, This is actually something that I need to look into for this winter. I do not have one yet, and I really desperately need one. So when I get some good brands, I will definitely share them with you guys. Um, But that is another really great tip too. So full spectrum light. And then With that, on the converse, around bedtime and around sunset, you want to start dimming the lights. So use table lights instead of overhead lights. You know, kind of set the mood, use candle lights, whatever it may be. You're wanting to, again, um, help support the lowering of cortisol in the evening and the natural release of melatonin and not the other way around. You don't want to be wired before you're going to bed at night. Another biggie are to identify hidden sources of stress. So this might look like something that's going on in your gut, especially if you deal with GI symptoms. This is definitely somewhere I would look. Nutrient insufficiencies. So again, doing like a good, really good comprehensive blood panel, looking at your anemia status. So that would be your iron, some of your B vitamins. Vitamin D is a biggie that I see as well. So that would be another thing to consider. Um, Eating just a really whole foods diet with plenty of omega-3 fatty acids is also something I would suggest for the cortisol picture. Again, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory fatty acids. We find these in things like salmon, walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, and hemp hearts. And so including those in abundance will help to promote a really healthy inflammatory response in your body and have trickle-down effects with cortisol. And the last one that I want to mention too is this over-exercising and undernourishing picture. This is a huge one when it comes to cortisol, my friends. So um, take a good hard look at your fueling strategies, at your training schedule. Do you have rest days? Are you eating enough? That is a huge thing to consider here as well. Last but not least, I will leave you with a couple nutrients. I love nutrients and just talking about, you know, kind of this, these more like micro things that we can support. So in terms of your adrenal glands specifically, we're wanting to really love up on your adrenals in order to really help support a healthy cortisol response. So things like vitamin C, certain B vitamins, as well as electrolytes. So electrolytes would be sodium is a big one, potassium, magnesium, calcium, all of those are going to be supportive of your adrenal glands. So I love like a daily electrolyte powder, LMNT, hashtag not sponsored, (laughs) just love it. Um, You can even make your own with like coconut water, salt, orange juice, that kind of provides some vitamin C. Um, We can call those adrenal cocktails. I've shared that before. You can do some Googling and some research for some recipes, but so many different things that you can do to really help support a healthy cortisol response. So I hope that gives you some food for thought. I know that was a lot, but um, hopefully you can kind of pair the, the physiology and the background behind cortisol with these action steps and what you can actually take action on to help support better cortisol overall. 
All right, everyone, and that is a wrap on today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you give this a like or share it with a friend. That is the best way to support me on this endeavor at this point of time. Also, if you are interested in joining our six-week self-paced online group program, Beat the Bonk, definitely check out the link in the show notes. The course starts September 11th, and I am so, so excited to get started, so definitely check out the details in the link below. Last but not least, if you are interested in taking a deeper look at your cortisol and your hormones as a whole, definitely reach out for a free 15-minute discovery call. We can chat about what you're experiencing. We might even talk about testing to see if that's appropriate, and we can decide what some next steps are for you. Have a fabulous rest of your week, and until next time. Oh. Oh.